going into the sermon this morning that's called, This Changes Everything. And I want you guys to think for a moment, if you will, try to scan over your past history, your life. Um, I did this not too long ago. Uh, I was moving from our old offices, praise God, into our new offices. I was going through a bunch of stuff, and I found this journal, this paper, where I had written down all the major dramatic life-changing events in my life. You guys ever done that, take an inventory of all the things? And it's good because you kind of look, and you get to see, what did I learn from each event? What, did, what, what happened in my life because of these different events? Some of them good, some of them bad. But I started thinking about what are life-changing events in my life, and I, and I could start off when I was about 11 or 12 years old, when my family moved to Hawaii from Southern California. My dad moved here to plant a church, and we started off under a tree in Kailua Beach Park. You guys have heard the story. 30 people, looked like a picnic, and now it's turned into over 40 churches planted in Hawaii, over 700 churches around the world, and it's a big deal. But that move was life-changing. Anybody had to do a major move from culture to culture, the culture shock? If you're military, you know what it's like every few years, right? It's a major ordeal. And I remember that, just like, whoa, that changed everything. I'm, I'm I'm in Hawaii now. I remember, if you guys can remember back what changed your life big time, everybody in here, most of you, remember the day you got your driver's license? Remember how good that was? Like, I remember not having to ride my bike with my surfboard to the beach anymore, or worse yet, getting a ride in mom's car or my friend's mom's car, and you're like, okay, thanks for the ride. Just get out of here. You're making me look bad, right? But now it's like, oh, freedom, king of the road. You could drive and just now we get no exercise because we drive everywhere, yeah? We're so lazy, but it changes our whole life. Remember your first love in high school, junior high or whatever? The first boyfriend, the first girlfriend, and how that was just like, oh, yeah, exciting, yeah? You remember those feelings. Oh, I haven't felt that in a while. It's good to revisit that, but it just changed everything, right? Relationships and the opposite sex and what happened there. Remember when you graduated from high school or college, how good that felt to be done with school? Oh, my kids, every day, they're just like, I hate school. I'm like, I know. It, it does suck. I feel your pain. But you will graduate one day, and it's going to be awesome when it's all done. Just get through it, you know? It was such a good freeing feeling to just be, oh, we're over it. We're done with school, all of this. Then it's the real world, right? Then you got to get a job. But I remember moving to college, moving to California to go to college, and ended up staying up there for 10 years. And that just did a lot of stuff in my life. I can remember my wedding day, the day of all days, how dramatically that changed my life. For the better. For the best. Amen? Yeah, we love our wedding days. It was so funny when I saw the Fighting Fair commercial, how many of you guys cheered. I'm like, why, why are you cheering? You guys are fighters in here? What's going on? But um, the, my wedding day changed my life completely. You know, I have my partner, my best friend, my lover, my everything. She's there with me all the time, and that's cool. And then I remember the day that my kids were born, my first child was born, my daughter, and how just messy that was, right? <laughs> Hike, you know, like that, ooh. And she's like, put the video camera down, right? And I had, to get, I had to get the respectful angle from this way, not from like, but I remember that day. Dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, this, is, this is gnarlier than aliens. I gotta get this on film. And I couldn't do it, couldn't do it, but how that day, what I felt, wasn't just the sight of that, but what it did in my heart and what it, like it brought me to tears. I was like, oh my gosh, this little person coming out of another person <laughs> is part of me. And I have the responsibility now to care for this, this little person and raise them in the ways of the Lord and, and give them a good life. And it's like, oh, it changes everything in your life. 
These are dramatic events that have happened. I think about the new jobs I've gotten. Remember when you were like kind of broke and you got money all of a sudden? You're like, I can actually live happily, you know? And then you, you buy a house if anyone's a homeowner in here. That was a big, big step for us. Mission trips. I've been on some mission trips that have wrecked my life in the best possible sense. I went to, so you saw that video for Compassion International? And we're doing that next weekend. We're giving our church an opportunity to change lives by giving to Compassion. That footage that you saw of that in the Philippines, that was from my iPhone. That was me filming this stuff going, oh my gosh, God, you're just wrecking me right now. The poverty, the hurt, the loss, the, all that they have to deal with. And here's this organization, Compassion, that comes in, fixes their life, gives them an education, teaches them about health, helps their whole life in their neighborhood. But bigger and better than all of that, they give them Jesus Christ and they introduce them to the local church and the body of Christ to take care of them. I was sold. The minute I saw that, I'm like, how do I be a part of that? I can't do much from Kanyoi, but if I can, my money can sponsor a child around the world and change their life and give them the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what we're talking about today, praise God, I'm all in. So I'm bringing it to you guys next week. We can all be in this together. We can change communities in the Philippines or wherever around the world. Isn't that exciting? That's cool. We get to be a part of that. But that's one of the things that, that just changed my life. I've experienced loss of loved ones, family members, friends, people in this church that we care about. Oh, that's hard. That changes your life. It, it matures you. It sobers you up. It grows you. Maybe it challenges your faith, but it changes a lot of stuff in your life. All the way down to the most recent change in my life is I've become the lead pastor of this church. Big promotion, big change in my life. And it's like, whoa, it's scary. But I'm loving it. I'm embracing it. God is good. I got to stand here the other night. We had a, a leaders meeting with about 200 leaders in our church. I got to talk about my, my heart, my vision, my values for where this church is going and what God is going to do in the future. And we're excited. We can't wait. And here's my dad who comes up and he honors me and res respectfully basically goes, you got it. You're my boss now. You're my pastor now. And he just put his mantle of authority on me. And it was just, it was moving. It was stirring. All the foundation that he's laid, the discipling he's done in me, I'm, he set me up for this new chapter in the history and the life of Hope Chapel. And it's exciting. And it's cool. And it's life-changing. But nothing, nothing changed my life as much as embracing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ of knowing his love for my life, of his salvation, of what he has done for me. And it's not something that happened one time. It's an ongoing, everyday process as I live. And as I learn, because this is what I'm after today, as I learn to let go of myself and this world, let go of that stuff, then I have free hands to grab onto him. And it's every day going, give me more of that resurrection power. Give me more of what you set me free from. Give me more of the life that you promised me. But I got to let go of stuff first. So it's something that happens in our life but we got to keep working at it to progress because we get more as we learn to let go more. Does that make sense? Yeah. It only makes sense in the kingdom of God. Whenever you let go, you actually gain. That's a kingdom value, right? The world says you let go, you lost. The kingdom says you let go, you receive new life. And that's what we're talking about here this morning. Um, nothing has dramatically changed our lives or can dramatically change your life as much as embracing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus himself said after the resurrection. After he had gone to the cross for our sins, he had died on the third day, rose again. He's walking around, he's teaching this, he's, he's speaking this in Luke 24, 46. He said, you can see now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day, and then, get this, a total life change through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations, starting from here, from Jerusalem. You're the first to hear it and see it. You're the witnesses. 
total life change starts with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the message for today. As we embrace that, as you believe that, our whole lives will be changed. And, and this is the last point we're going to teach on today, that life change in us will change the world around us. Amen. And that's cool because it's not just contained. Jesus didn't just say, if you believe in me, just keep it to yourself and it's cool. You're in. You're elite. You're the, the cool crowd, right? You're the clique. He goes, no, what you got, give it away because everybody needs it. I, I like what John Bevere said last week, if you guys remember. In one of the services he said, Jesus died for everyone and he saved everyone. But it's only those that choose to take hold of it that actually receive it. Does that make sense? Jesus actually did die and offer salvation and the hope of heaven to every single person on the face of the earth. But it's only those that really believe it and choose to embrace it that are going to receive it. That's heavy to think about. Like, whoa, like he's already died for everybody and it was there, it's available. But what are we going to do about it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. The resurrection changes everything. First of all, the resurrection changed Jesus. Do you know that? You believe that it actually changed Jesus? It's not like it was a change in plans. It wasn't like a surprise, something new. It was all part of his plan. But where he was, his, his mission, his purpose had changed at this point. At this point, after he went to the cross and he resurrected, he beat death, his mission was accomplished. He did what he came to do. He kept good on the promises he made and all the prophetic words over his life. He proved he was the son of God. Because if he would have died and stayed dead, everyone would have said, yeah, he was a good guy. He was a great teacher. He may have even been like a prophet and he could do some spiritual power stuff. We saw some healings, but you know what? He's dead. He was just a man. But when he came back, he came back and he said, nope, I'm more than a wise teacher than a good counselor. I am the son of God. I am who I am. And he conquered death. Don't you love that song that we just sang in there that I wrote it down? Death has been defeated by love, Amen. right? Death has been defeated by love. You've overcome. The grave couldn't contain the power of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. So it changed Jesus. Hey, it is finished. Job well done. I'm done with this. In Mark, Mark 8, 31, it says, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, and this is him prophesying before his death. He's telling them. Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, which was what he referred to as himself, must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. And he kept good on that promise. You know what that does for me? If Jesus could keep that hardest promise to keep of any man ever said that, by the way, I'm going to die, and in three days, I'm coming back. If he could keep that one, then all the other promises he speaks in Scripture I got to hold on to and go, I believe him. If you could do that one, then everything else is possible for you. That's amazing. He fulfilled all of the prophecies that were about him. Look at Luke 24, 26. He says, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses all the way back to the Old Testament, all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did you know that there's, there's over 400 prophecies that were given over several thousand years time before Jesus even came along regarding him, regarding Messiah, how he was going to live his life, how he was going to die, how he was going to resurrect. 400 prophecies and Jesus came, he fulfilled all of them. You know the odds of that? It's, it's impossible. How could someone fulfill stuff that was spoken about them through the ages over 400 years or over hundreds of years in, in time in history before him? 400 of them were fully, completely fulfilled by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. 
Jesus is the man. He is all who he said he, he was, and he came for us. That's awesome. Now his job had changed. He gets to go back to heaven, back to the Father, back to prepare the many mansions that he's designed for us, right? And he's moving on, and he's getting heaven ready for us. But here's the cool thing as part of his mission has changed. He basically clocked out of the first shift so that the, the next guy coming along could work the second shift. He basically handed off for someone else. You know who he handed off to? No, the Holy Spirit. His job had been done. Good, good question, though. I don't want you to feel bad. That was a good answer. Close. But God had basically said, Jesus said this in John 16, 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, then the advocate, the encourager, the comforter, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus, the resurrection changed Jesus. My work here is done. I go back to heaven. I'm done with my physical body. I get the glorified body. I'm going to heaven. But it's good that I go. Because when I was on earth, there was only one of me for all of you. One of me to go around. But if I leave, I give you the Holy Spirit, and he's in every single one of you that believe in him. So now every one of us have that power. Isn't that cool? He gave us second shift, clocking out, Holy Spirit, tag team, you're on. Go for it. But Jesus, the resurrection had changed Jesus. All of these things, he now went on to the next phase of his ministry and his life, and it changed Jesus. But here's the cool part. The resurrection changes me, and it changes you. And this is where it gets good. This is where we relate to this. That those who surrender and choose to follow and believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, your life can be completely transformed. It can be, it should be, and it will be. Jesus' followers themselves, the guys that hung around Jesus, they were changed by the resurrection. Look at Matthew 26, 56. Before the resurrection, here's his followers. They followed him. They loved him. They saw his miracles. They thought he was the hope of the world. He was going to change everything. And then he gets arrested. And they're just like, wait a minute, what? Wait, you, you're the Messiah. And this is what it says at the point of his arrest in Matthew 26, 56. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Isn't that heavy? That for three years of ministry on his life, these were his closest friends, his followers, his confidants, the guys that he confided in, he prayed with, he ministered with. The crowds that followed him when he would feed the 5,000, feed the 4,000, when he would do the miracles, when he would heal the blind, the sick, and he would deliver people from demons, and all these people followed around him. And at the point of his arrest, when it looked like, what happened, man? You failed. It says all of, all of his followers, all of his disciples, all the crowds went from crowds to crickets. Right? That's what happens when there's no one in the room. All you hear is the crickets. Right? It went from crowds to crickets because they were scared. They were like, what happened? It's, it's over. But it changed his followers. After the resurrection, now look at these same, same, same people. After the resurrection, when Peter and John were thrown into prison overnight and they were told, don't ever talk about this guy Jesus anymore. You need to stop this. You're stirring up the crowds. Here's what Peter and John said in Acts 4.20. We cannot stop telling about all that we have seen and heard. In Acts 4.33, it says, the apostles testified powerfully to the res resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In fact, we know this about the, the tradi tradition and outside sources, outside of the Bible, actually historically write about the 12 apostles. And it says that most of them, except for John, we know that John like died of, of natural causes, old age. But it says historical sources and tradition tells us that they died as martyrs for their faith. That here's these guys that were scared and like, oh wait, they all left him. But when they met the resurrected Jesus, 
they went down to their graves saying, we will not stop prophesying and talking and preaching powerfully about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It changed them, didn't it? It changed them big time. Um, look at this, this verse in Acts 8. It says, when persecution came to the early church after Jesus' resurrection, they were like, oh no, we don't want to die. So they ran out of Jerusalem. But here's what it says of those guys that, that fled. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Hey, we don't want to die, but you know what? Wherever we go, Jesus goes with us because we're telling the world all about him. It says, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. Jesus' followers went from pitiful to powerful. Isn't that cool? Like, oh, I'm scared. We're running. And then suddenly they're changing the world around them. They went from deserting Jesus to declaring Jesus wherever they went. I love that. It changed his followers. Take Peter, for example. Peter in Matthew 6, 74, when Peter was asked, hey, weren't you the guy that was hanging out with this guy, Jesus? They'd arrested Jesus, and they, they're getting ready to try him and to, to kill him. And they go, wait, we recognize that guy. He was with Jesus. What did, Peter, what did Peter do? Did he say, yes, that's right, I'm his best friend? No, Peter goes, no, it wasn't me, man, right? And then he goes, no, we're sure that we saw you hanging out with this Jesus guy. And Peter's like, no, no, I promise, hey, it wasn't me, I don't even know the guy, right? And then the third time, someone goes, no, we know, we saw you with them. You guys were hanging out on the corner last week, I saw you. And here's what Peter says in verse 74, Matthew 26. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. Heavy, he cursed himself. He goes, I don't know the man. Three times, it says, and immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. But here's after the resurrection now. Let's look at Peter after the resurrection. Peter, after the resurrection, went on to preach with boldness. In fact, we read in early Acts, he, he spoke one sermon one day. 3,000 people came to salvation through one sermon that Peter gave. Here's Peter, the guy, I don't even know the guy. I don't, don't talk to me. A curse on me if I'm lying. But he was lying. But after the resurrection, here's Peter going, Jesus said, you're going to be the rock that I build my church upon, right? And he goes, you are going to be the pastor at the early first church, the mega church of Jerusalem that had thousands of people in it, in a town of 30,000 to 80,000 people, depending on what the sources say. Here's a church of multiple thousands of people. And Peter was the, the ringleader. He was now the pastor. He was the guy that was leading this. The early part uh, led many people to, to Christ. He went from being liar to leader. Isn't that cool? Here's this one I came up with. He went from coward to empowered. It's a good one, huh? High five on that one. That's, that's good. I came up with that. And I know you guys are sitting there right now. What can I think of? Liar to leader, coward to empowered. That's good stuff. But that's what happened to Peter because Peter was changed, right? The resurrected Jesus, boom, changed everything. And in fact, tradition tells us that Peter, when he died for his faith, he said, oh, you're going to crucify me? No, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way as my Lord and master. If you're going to kill me, you're going to have to do it upside down. I'm not worthy to die the same way as Jesus. This is what happened to Peter after the resurrection. Paul was changed. Paul used to be called Saul. He persecuted, he jailed, and he killed Christians. He was a Christian hater, but he became the first Christian missionary, a successful church planter, a ministry coach, and the greatest voice for Christianity that ever was. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament that we read. And in fact, he might have written the other one, Hebrews, but 
scholars aren't really sure about that one, but he wrote 13 books out of the, the 27 books in the New Testament. He went from being hater to hero. I got more. I got lots. <laughs> Isn't that good? He went from being a hater to a hero. He went from persecutor to pastor. And that's all I got. Sorry, I couldn't think of anything else. But isn't that cool? It changed Paul. It changed Peter. It changed the early disciples. It changed us. And the same life-giving power that's available to change those guys has happened to some of us and can happen to the rest of us and is available for us to tap into if we're willing to go for it. But it's available to us. Here's some of the things that this life-giving resurrected Jesus his power does for us. You ready for some verses? Write some stuff down. The first thing is, he has made us possible that we are rescued and forgiven. That's a heavy point right there. Colossians 1.13 says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased us, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. We are rescued and forgiven. Isn't that cool? The word picture in the early Greek for rescued is literally a picture of someone drowning and you throw them a life preserver. Someone comes in to save their life. Anybody here ever seen someone drowning before in real life? I've seen it. I've actually seen two people die from drowning on two different beaches in my life. It's heavy. It shook me. In California once when I was a little kid, I saw a guy. He had been drinking. He went out. He went under the rip current. He didn't come up for five plus minutes. They saw him. Lifeguards brought him in, did all CPR, did everything. And the crowd was all gathered. And me as a little kid watching this, I watched a man die. I watched his life just leave his body. And that was heavy. And then once... A few years back when I was at Kalamas down here, Kailua Shore Breaks, I was down there and a girl, same thing. She had gone under, they didn't see her. She popped up, they saw her body. They went in, they did the whole thing. I'm, I'm a little bit more mature in my faith at this point, a little wiser. I was down there, I was laying hands. I was praying, doing what I could, praying in tongues. God, just save her, please heal her. But it was her time to go. And she went and it, and it shook me. But I saw two people die of drowning, but I've seen in my years surfing, being out in the water, watching people in the process of drowning, not dying, but in the process, the first stages of, oh no, I can't swim, I'm losing control, eyes just huge, panicking, people trying to help them, clawing at people, trying to get up, trying to get out of the water, trying to get air, and that's a, just a scary look that you'll just, you'll never forget when you see in people's eyes the fact that all is lost, I have nothing, I could be going right now, what's going on? Well, guess what? Jesus Christ came for us because we were in that state, in the world, trapped in darkness, going, my life is chaos. I don't know what's going on with me, my family, my, my taxes, my bills, my this, my that. And we got that look in our eyes. And guess who became our lifeguard? Jesus Christ. Come here. I got you, Carl. I got you. I saved you. That's what it means when Colossians tells us he rescued us and he forgave us. Jesus became our lifesaver. He became our lifeguard. I love that. Jesus has because of the resurrection, he's given us a new outlook. Would you guys say amen to that? How many of you guys know you're not the person you used to be because of Jesus Christ? See, before I was a Christian, well, I was a Christian at a, a young age, but before I had full understanding. Remember I said it's kind of a process to embrace the resurrection power, let go of yourself so that you can hold on to God? Well, I remember as a teenager growing up, there was still some stuff I was holding on to. And my outlook on life was kind of negative and kind of sarcastic and acidic. And people would come to me and other kids in the youth group would, you know, do the cut downs and the sarcasm thing. And I would go, oh, I'm not going to get you back in return with one cut back. I'm coming with 10 and I'm going to make you cry. And I did. And people in the youth group literally would come around and like, Carl made me cry. He was mean. And I was like, yeah, take that. My tongue was like brutal. It was bad. 
Maybe that was like God setting it up so that he could use it for the positive now. But I, I had a way with words back then. And it was not good. But you know what happened? I took hold of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I took hold of the Holy Spirit that changes me that Galatians 5 refers to as this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because of what Jesus made available for me, I got a new outlook on life. I got a new mouth. I got a new mind. I got a new heart. I got new desires. And it's all because of Jesus. What else did he give us? He restored our relationship with God. And this is a big one. Romans 5.11 so powerfully says this. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Say that. Friends of God. Isn't that cool? That the Lord of the universe, we're not enemies anymore. We're tight. We're BFFs, right? Because Jesus made it possible for us to come into that relationship. And he goes, you are now friends of God. You're in the family. I love that. That's cool. He's restored that relationship that was lost with God. He gives us a hope of heaven. We have hope in eternal life right now. Did you know that as Christians, we don't have to fear death at all? Isn't that good? I fear dying. I'll be honest with you. I fear pain, right? I don't like pain, and I don't want to have to go. Like when I go, God, just make it quick, right? I don't fear death at all, but I fear pain. I, I was reading in Time Magazine. Recently, there was some activist in China or something that was protesting something, and you know what he did? He lit himself on fire, and there's a picture of this man running on fire, burning to death down the street. And I just looked at that, and I just went, oh, my gosh. First of all, I'm feeling heavy for that guy. I'm praying for him and his family. Just that's nuts. But God, if I die, I don't want to die with a lot of pain like that. Just take me. But I don't fear death anymore. And that's a cool thing, right? I, I don't fear death. In fact, I've lost people. Some, so many of us have. We've lost friends. We've lost loved ones. But the hope of heaven because of what Jesus Christ made available says, don't worry about it. You're going to see him again someday. And the next time you see him, you get to hang out with him forever, forever and ever. And some of those people that went out of this life with broken, messed up, painful, old, cancer-ridden, whatever bodies, they're going to have new bodies when you see them again, and it's going to be cool. And so I don't cry too much for those that I've lost that I know knew Jesus. I miss them, sure, but I know that there's going to be family reunion someday. That's the hope of heaven that Jesus gives me. He made that available through the resurrected Jesus that came out of that grave. Isn't that good? This is what we have, power and faith. Write that down. Jesus gives us power and faith. We have something to believe in that we can't see. Isn't that cool? That we have the Holy Spirit in his power, and we can't see it, and we can't describe it, but it's just like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you see it fill the sails of a ship of a, on a boat, a sailboat, and it goes flying along. You see the havoc that it can do, the wind. You can see the nice waves that it forms for us on the right conditions, right? You see the effects of the wind, but it's just like that with Jesus. We have power and faith in something we can't see, the Holy Spirit who's there working in our lives. And suddenly, why do I have this joy, God? This is super weird. Where is this coming from? Oh, you can't see it, but that's my Holy Spirit at work in you. Oh, how come those peoples, they hated each other. They're about to get divorced. How did they get back together and have the best marriage I've ever seen? The Holy Spirit. You can't see it happen, but there's the effects of it happening. We have this power every single day in our lives available to us. Are we taking advantage of that? That's the question for today is, are we embracing what he does for us? We have love for others. I see the world through different eyes now. I used to criticize and judge people, and I still got to give that to God sometimes. I'll be honest, I'm human. God, it's a process in my life. But I don't, I don't judge them like I used to. See, what I understand is that 
the people that really get to me that I just think are so stupid and they're so irritating and so unlovable. They didn't wake up that day and say, I can't wait to be as irritating as possible and as stupid as possible and as unlovable as possible just to ruin Carl's day. I can't wait to do that. They, they don't live lives that say that that's what they want to do. You know what I see now that God has given me new eyes? I see lost and broken people that are looking for that lifeguard. And they're in scramble mode and it comes out in wrong ways. And I don't judge that anymore like I used to because God has given me love for others. This is what's available through the life-changing power of the resurrected king. And most importantly, he gives me purpose in life. He gives us purpose in life. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before, I used to live my life for myself and make it as good as I could so that I'm happy and everything's cool in my life. But now I understand that I'm God's masterpiece and that I'm, my purpose in life is that I get to use whatever I got to live for him and to bless, bless this world, to change this world. I never wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a speaker. I never wanted to be any of this stuff. But God said, but I made you that way. And if you love me and you honor me, then you're going to see that the best possible thing in life is to use what I gave you for me and watch how good your life is going to be. And now I use it, and now I'm able to touch lives and to, not me. I, I, don't want, I don't want to missay that. God is able to use me for his purposes. I'm just the messenger. He's got the message. And I'm able to give the message to people all around the world. And I love it. And it's cool because I have purpose in life because of what Jesus did for me. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're carrying around, the baggage, the issues, the pain, the hurt, the anger maybe at God, maybe you came here today and you're just mad at him. Maybe you're hurting, your life's a mess. Maybe you already are a Christian and you're in the process, but maybe you're not a Christian and you're just going, really, is this thing real? I'm here to tell you right now, if you would interact and embrace and meet the resurrected King Jesus, it changes everything. My life before God, I was an um, addict. It was just a complete mess. Um, I was just living day to day, uh, just chasing the high. I've been coming up here, um, and I was not a, I was serious, I thought, in my heart, but I was still drinking, and I've been drinking since I was 12 years old. I used to think I was a good mom, and, uh, I, but I continued to drink. You think you have friends, you think you have good relationships, you think you're having fun. And no matter how much I tried to do, how much I tried to fill that, there was this empty feeling. My life after God, I moved out here basically with the clothes on my back about three years ago and God's blessed me with everything. He's taken away my desire for smoking, for any of the previous addictions I have and uh, just given me a new life and I'm truly thankful. I never thought I'd get married in my entire life. In fact, I told my friends I wouldn't. But God brought me a godly woman, and now I'm married. I, God brought me godly friends, and there's this joy and peace and things in my life that I was looking for and trying to replace with the club, trying to replace with all the different women that I was involved with, and it just never happened until I came back to God. A lot of people know me already that uh, I've conquered it through Jesus. He's worked amazing things in my life. I'm even a better mom now because I don't drink anymore. This changes. This changes. This changes. This changes. This changes everything.
don't you guys stand with us and sing this holy are you God holy are you God come on lift it up and say holy is your God is holy, and he's made made a way for us to know him, to know him personally. He's changed our lives forever. I know there's there's tears flowing, there's hearts connecting with him and all that we just saw and all that we're experiencing right now. But there's more than that. If the people around you can't tell that you're a Christian, you're not doing it right. Let me say that again. If the people around you cannot tell that you're a Christian, that you've experienced this life change, then you're not doing it right. It's supposed to be given away. It's not for the elite. It's not for the few. It's meant for all of humanity. It's the answer for everyone. Amen? It should be contagious. It's sad that people speak these type of words over our life. A few years back, there's this quote from Mahatma Gandhi speaking to a Christian pastor. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They're so unlike your Christ. See, we have a job to do to change that reputation. We've experienced the life-changing power of Jesus and his resurrection, and we're supposed to give it away. We're supposed to share it. We're supposed to be contagious. Philip, one of Jesus' disciples in Acts 8, after he had met the resurrected Jesus, he shared his message with an Ethiopian on the road to Gaza, if you remember this story. He shared with that guy That guy got lit up for Christ. Tradition tells us he went back to Ethiopia and he evangelized the whole nation for Jesus Christ in Ethiopia because Philip couldn't contain what he had. He had to give it away. Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they'd experienced, they'd been thrown in jail for doing the work of Jesus. And in the middle of the night, they're singing praises to God because they couldn't contain it. And God sends a mighty earthquake to rock the foundation of the jail. All of their chains fall off. The doors all fly open. They're free to go. The jailer comes in, scared, freaking out. His job's on the line. If his prisoners are gone, he's going to get killed. He comes in there. He's about to kill himself with the sword. And Paul and Silas say, hey, hey, wait a minute. We're right here. Don't take your own life. We got something better to give you. 
And what do they do? They give him Jesus Christ. They share the message of the resurrection with the jailer who saves his life, saves his soul, and saves and baptizes his whole household that night because Paul and Silas couldn't hold in and contain what Jesus had done for them in their life. Amen? We're supposed to give this stuff away. The early church, the disciples, they spoke boldly. They had love. They had goodwill. They were generous, not judgmental. They brought healing through prayer. They did miracles. And the results were in Acts 2.47, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Others were saved. Others were changed because they were changed. They gave it away. In fact, their critics said this about them in Acts 17.6. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. There's a quote I read in a book this week. Curry R. Blake said, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. If your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't really touched you. After the resurrection, these Christians were changed and contagious. Am I? Are you? Do people even know in our lives? They may not all want to find Jesus right away, but let me tell you, the people in my life around me, they know I'm a Christian. They may like, oh, I don't want to hear that guy and I'm going to go away, but they know. They know what I got and they're not ready for it. That's okay, but they know. People got to know. Some will say yes, some will say no. Our job is to offer it as a free gift and put it out there. We got to become contagious. You know in that video we showed, in the past we, we showed that girl, Yuna, the Japanese girl that was up there, and, and what God has done to change her life. You know how God changed her life? Because a few years back, a man by the name of George Fergie was going through throat cancer. He had some, some cancer in his throat. And he prayed to God, God, if I can really experience you in your power, then I believe it'll change my life and I'm gonna go change other people's lives. So God healed him, took away throat cancer like that. And he said, because of what I've experienced, I'm gonna raise my three boys up in the way of Jesus Christ. And so he introduced his three sons to church, to Jesus. Jesus worked in their lives. Now they're taking what they know. They're writing songs for our church and putting out CDs. They're all sitting up here on our worship team right now. Tate, Trevor, and Tyler Fergie. They're taking the Jesus message that their dad gave to them. They're taking it around the world. Tate, in fact, went on a three-month mission trip to Japan last year with Paul. And they were there together, and they were working on the hearts of people over there and understanding the, the, the culture and sharing Jesus. And we have several kids that are Christians today because of Tate and Paul. But then this girl, Yuna, deals with the tragedy in Sendai, the earthquake, the tsunami. Her best friend is killed, lost. And she has no hope, and she has no reason to live. She comes to Hawaii. She, she hangs out with a bunch of our young people. Tate, one of those people there, was a leading person that led to her salvation. Now Yuna knows the life-saving and changing power of Jesus Christ. She's back in Japan, where they just started a church in Sendai, and she's bringing new people to Jesus every week. She's changing lives because Tate helped change her life, because Uncle George helped change his life. And you see the connection? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power, is not for us to keep to ourselves. It's to give away to others, to others, to others. We're supposed to reach this world. In fact, Barb, who was up there, the last one that just lost it because Jesus has changed her life so much, the, the, the way that she came to know Jesus was because a few years back, Pastor Rob McWilliams, his son, Paul McWilliams, decided to bring one of his friends in the neighborhood to church with him, to share Jesus with him. And Paul brought Rolo, Keolo Bright, a young man to, to church. He found Jesus. God began to move in his life. Rolo brought his sister, Annalise. They both got lit up for Jesus, started sharing with their parents. Their dad died. They lost their dad. 
Mom was in even more despair, still drinking, trying to be a good mom, but dealing with issues, not being the best she could be. But because of Rolo and Annalise, who witnessed to her and shared Jesus and didn't keep it to themselves, now Barb comes to church. Now she found Jesus. Now she's about 100, and if I get this right, 168 days sober, and she's walking with Jesus. And she's inspiring people. And other people are finding Jesus because of Barb, who found it because of her kids, who found it because of Paul. Do you see what's happening here? We are meant to give this stuff away to change the world. If there's real life change in us, then it's supposed to change everybody around us. And we're supposed to live in this power. The reason that Jesus came, the reason that he went through the cross, the grave, the resurrection, is found in none other than John 10.10, where Jesus says this, I came so that they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is the purpose of the resurrection. Total life change. This changes everything. Is that good? Let's pray. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's seal this before our God. Father God, we come before you right now and we thank you. Thank you for reminding us today through your word, through the, the dance, through the songs, through everything that we've experienced. Father, thank you for reminding us what your resurrection brings us. The freedom, the 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 rescue, the forgiveness, the power, the love, the, the, the view of our world, the outlook, the love for other people. Lord, we thank you for that. We actually need to, Father God, learn to let go of some of the stuff because we haven't been allowing your power to come in and work the way it's supposed to. Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, we want to let go of those other things so we can take hold of you. And Lord, there's some of us in here that have never actually even made that first step to connect with you in a real way. Some of us have never really embraced the life-changing power of Jesus. We've heard about it. We've seen it. We've been to church on Christmas and Easter and maybe all of that stuff. But, Lord, we've never taken that real step towards you and what you're capable of doing in our lives. And, Lord, we ask today that you would give us opportunity to do so. And right now what we're going to do is I'm going to offer the opportunity of what Jesus is offering you in, in, in and through a prayer. And this prayer is a simple prayer where you just get to connect with God and basically just say yes to him. Yes to all that he has for you and no to the rest of the world and your selfish ambitions and selfish desires and self. And basically say no to that and yes to God and watch what he can do. Watch what the resurrected Jesus has power of doing in your life through the Holy Spirit. And if you're willing to take that step, I want to lead you in a prayer that would make things right with God, restore your relationship with him, give you all of that that he promises. The stuff that I can boldly get up here and say I'm living this stuff in my life I want to offer that to you through Jesus Christ right now. What we're going to do is we're going to say a simple prayer. I'm going to pray the words out loud for you, although I want you to own these words, and I want you to pray them to God in your heart of hearts right now. And if you believe it in your heart, and you say yes to him, then later you can go and confess it with your mouth to someone. Tell them, hey, I prayed that prayer, but right now this is a personal thing between you and God, just saying yes to him. So I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to say it out loud, and I'm going to ask that if this is you, you would just join me in this prayer and say, yes, pastor, I want, I want all that God has for me. I want to become a Christian from this day forward. I want to have hope of heaven, no fear of death, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that I want it all. And here I am submitting myself before God. And if that's what you want, I just want to know that you're praying with me. I want to know who I'm praying with because I'm privileged and I'm honored to be able to pray this prayer with you. But I want you to let me know People seated around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed, but I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I'm just going to simply ask you to lift your hand up and let me know that you're praying with me. Because there's a commitment, there's a little bit of you coming forward and saying, look, it's me. Letting God know, letting me know, and then we're going to pray together. 
I'll pray out loud. You pray silently. But I just, I want to know who I'm praying with. A little bit of accountability here. All eyes are closed and heads are bowed. But if that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Lift those hands. I just want to see some hands. I see. Keep them up. I want to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Keep them up. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Thank you, Father. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. I can't even see all of you, but God sees you, praise God. Maybe 25, 26. Thank you, Father God. If that's you, go ahead and put your hand down and pray this with me in your heart right now. Father God, I'm here today, Lord, and I believe that you have something for me. You have a changed life, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm sick of living this life on my own. I'm sick of trying to come up with all the answers and manage this. Lord, I need some help here. And Lord, I believe in all that you are offering me here today, all that I've heard. Lord, I desperately want it. I need it. I feel, Lord, at times like I am drowning, and I'm looking for a hand up. I'm looking for a lifeguard, a lifesaver. Lord, I believe that today I found you, and you're offering that to me through the power of the resurrection. So Lord, here I am. I'm grabbing hold of all that you have. In my heart of hearts, Lord, I'm embracing you and accepting all that you have for me. And I don't even know about all of it yet, but it sounds good, Lord, and I want it. Teach me about you. Teach me all that you have for me. Lord, from this moment on, I am declaring to you in my heart of hearts, and I will go speak it boldly afterwards to other people. Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I am yours. I'm your child. I accept the forgiveness, the redemption, the restoration, the grace, the peace, the love, all that you have for me. I believe that you died on that cross for me. Thank you for taking the place. And Lord, I receive your Holy Spirit. Lord, I receive that power in my life. I want to see miracles. I don't want to sign up for a religion. I want to sign up for a relationship with the living, mighty God that is able to do the miraculous in my life daily and change my life and make me a better person. Lord, I want it all. Lord, I thank you for giving that to me right now. Lord, I promise to read my Bible, to just to know more about you, the basic thing. I just want to know you, how good you are. Lord, teach me to pray, just to talk story with you, to give you my life, to give you my burdens, my dreams, my hopes and my desires, Lord, knowing that you're going to do something about it because you got my back. I'm your friend from this day forward. Lord, I just ask that you would surround me with people in my life as I continue to go to church, other Christians in the family of God that would have my back, that would help me walk out this newfound life that I have in you. Lord, I don't have all the answers yet. Surround me with people that can help me in my journey as I seek you. But most of all, Lord, I'm humbled. Thank you for loving me, for accepting me, for calling me your child here today. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in my life as I continue to live for you. Thank you for loving me and accepting me as I pray right now on this Easter Sunday, 2012. Lord, I am a new creation. I accept what you did on the cross and through the resurrection for me, for my life personally. Thank you, Father God, for being my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said, amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you ask Jesus into your heart, we want to get you a Bible. We want to get you started. You made the best decision that you ever could ever, ever make in all of eternity. And so we are blessed to be able to walk this out with you. Go to the Welcome Lounge after service, right through those doors. Get a Bible. They have stuff they want to hook you up with because we want to make sure that you don't leave this place with your newfound commitment unarmed and unprepared. So go out there, get your Bible, get your stuff they have for you. If you're new to our church, go out to the Welcome Lounge as well. We'll hold on to your kids till you show up at the um, Sunday School to pick them up. So please go check out the Welcome Lounge. I'm going to pray real quick 
now before we end this because people filled out these cards. You filled out the cards of your praises and you filled out the cards of your prayer requests. And I know that in a room this size that some of us have stuff on our heart that's even too painful to write down on these cards, burdens too heavy to put down. And we want to pray over these cards and over the stuff that's written on your heart and in your mind. And so if you'd bow your heads with me right now, we're going to pray and ask for the almighty God to come and to answer and to heal and to restore. Father, you are good. You are great. You are majestic. And your name, Lord, let it be exalted over all the world, over all of this incredible creation. Lord, and we ask right now for every prayer request, every whispered prayer by hearts that are laid bare before your throne. And Father, we ask that you would answer them. We pray, Lord, that your power that's available to us through your mighty act on that cross would come and would heal lord those who are struggling right now with cancer lord we pray for a that that would go in the name of jesus we pray for health to be restored we lift up our our sister rachel who right now is still fighting for her life in the hospital that you would come and you would restore life to her lord god but for every single person in this room lord that has someone in their life that desperately needs to know the power of the risen lord I pray, Lord, that you are the God who sees. You are the God who is with us and who is near to us. And so we pray, Father, for a release of your power into every single situation. I pray for those who are financially struggling, that you would provide the jobs, you would provide the finances, you would be with them in their darkest hour. And Father, we in advance thank you for what you are doing and the way that you are moving and your miracles that we will see in this lifetime. Thank you for the praises on these cards, the praises on our lips. Let us ever glorify your name and continue to walk in the power that we heard this morning. Unafraid. Thank you for loving us. Let us be your love in this world. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, church. Let's worship Jesus. Hang out in fellowship. There's some snacks in the courtyard. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Risen King! Great is your love, Lord God. Great is your love. Let the whole earth sing. Let the whole earth sing. You wish for us. From on heaven's throne, when we had no hope, you are the way, there is no other, you are the way, there is no other, you rose from death to victory, you reign in life for majesty.
Resurrection Sunday Church. We love you. Be blessed. Take care.